Hey everyone, I'm back today to keep rolling on my learnings from quarter four of last year, 2021. So I'll jump back in here and keep going. The tough conversations are not easy, but they are the most important ones that move the needle. The past three months in Brazil were great in so many ways, yet there were bumps in the road. The bumps in the road coincided with this exact point. The environment in which I was living was not one in which the tough conversations were embraced and encouraged. Given my personal values and my instincts, I struggled with knowing what to do and how to be myself under these conditions. I would frequently decide to not dig into the conversation because I observed this behavior to be the norm. Because of this, I would find myself more and more frustrated as I pent up the many things I felt I could not say. There were even situations in my relationship in which I would try to open up and state the observations I was having, in which I was met with a hesitation to dig into the hard conversation. This was really challenging for me, as one of my central values is exactly what I wrote in the title sentence of this section. These challenges forced me to really look at myself and what was happening, which led me to an even deeper acknowledgement of the value of having the hard conversation, despite the instincts I had developed against it because of the experiences I had there. I've learned that the best version of myself is when I am the person who steps up and brings up the hard conversation, because it really does move the needle. When I reflected on all of this and told my partner about it, she was able to better understand my reality, despite the pain and anxiety it initially provoked. Telling the truth and digging in has allowed us to see each other more clearly, which has then allowed us to have better conversations and to find solutions to some of the ongoing issues we were facing. Without the hard conversation, we don't get to a better place and we don't get to see each other more clearly. This experience has convinced me even more deeply of the value of this point. I need to give myself the time and space to slow down, be intentional, and make a plan. In my work, in cooking, in my personal time, and in many more spaces of my life, it is quite easy to get ahead of myself. By trying to move too automatically and too fast, I often fail to be as efficient, effective, and deliberate as I would prefer. I even take more time to finish a task because I am not attentive enough to do things as well as they could be done individually with greater focus. When I take the time to be deliberate and to plan things out properly, I put myself in a much better position to succeed in whatever it is that I am doing. I now need to take this understanding and apply it more regularly. Start the day with time outside in the sun. This is a learning that I came across for the first time this year. It seems pretty obvious, but it was never something of which I was fully conscious. Dr. Samir Hattar has done some great work on this topic, which I got to learn about when he appeared on the Huberman Lab, pro the Huberman Lab podcast. There are studies in which people have gained significant improvements in their mood regulation, circadian rhythm, and appetite through spending 10 minutes looking at the sun, not directly at it, of course, in the first few hours of their days. It's something that seems really obvious, yet many of us easily forget to do this for multiple days, and even weeks in some cases. When I have made an effort to get out in the sun and to look up toward it in the beginning of my day, I've noticed some of these effects. When I give myself a few minutes to do that, I tend to feel more at ease and emotionally regulated. I'm frustrated by acts of service not being reciprocated in a relationship, especially around the house. Within the concept of the five love languages from Gary Chapman, I tend to prefer acts of service and quality time. Acts of service mean a lot to me. 
and I have frequently noticed myself defaulting into doing these acts of service as a way to express my love and appreciation for others. When I do these acts of service and I do not see a cycle of reciprocation kick in, I've noticed the frustration that sets in, inside of me. Why is this person not noticing these acts? What is stopping them from recognizing these acts, appreciating them, and reciprocating them? These are complicated questions to which assumptions will not provide the answers. It requires a conversation and a proper assessment and awareness of the expectations which open the door to these sensations of frustration. These emotional fits blind me to the reality that this person likely will not understand what I am looking for if I do not tell them or express it to them clearly in some other fashion. Although this blinding effect has come into play many times, each reminder of reality in which the blinders can come off is a significant boost for me. Whenever I can realign my expectations properly and more clearly express my wants and needs to others, the better I feel and the better the results in the relationship. All of that begins with recognition and awareness. Life is hard. People are complicated. Situations are rarely clear. This is a reminder I wish I could give myself as I step into any situation. Life has been challenging for every species who, is at, who has met this earth. We are deeply complex and multifaceted creatures. Because of how complex we are and our environments are, it can be extremely difficult to make sense of what life throws our way. I've learned that the best place from which to start is a place of humility, in which I can ground myself in the statements I listed above. Humility allows for curiosity to rise and arrogance to sink. If I can be more keenly interested in the details of what is going on, what has previously happened, what the features of the, of the environment are, and who the individuals in the situation are, I can open myself up to grappling with reality more effectively and defining the truth. I've come to find those to be solid goals to pursue in life, to grapple with reality effectively, and to get as close as possible to the truth. If I can ground myself in the facts I have stated here while striving toward these goals, I am much more likely to reach those desired ends. Despite my semi-frequent belief that I cannot, I can tell the truth and be brutally honest while adding the right charm and charisma to facilitate interpretation. This is one of the harder lessons for me from the past quarter. It requires me to slow down and to be more deliberate with my words and actions. It requires me to be much more thoughtful and aware of myself. It requires me to raise my expectations of myself in my interactions with others. Through various experiences in which I have tried to convey myself properly about delicate topics and was misinterpreted, my belief in myself to do this has been challenged. This challenge is not meant to keep me down and to make me default into a pessimistic outlook, despite how frequently I may feel that. Instead, it is a challenge meant to push me to be better. I must strive to improve the manner in which I convey my points. It is upon me to continue to fail and find learnings through those failures. It is my task to learn this delicate balance, no matter how treacherous and difficult the waters on the journey may be. Not having closure is okay, even if it leaves a bit a pit in your stomach. You can never guarantee closure in a situation. Even if we know how to get it, it often lies outside of our hands. We do not control other people's decisions nor their desires to provide us with closure if we are seeking further clarity and or expectations from them, and or explanations from them, I'm sorry. The world holds no obligations to us about clearing up a lack of closure either. It can even leave a terrible 
physiological sensation that we detest inside of our stomachs, chests, and heads, despite our acknowledgement that there is nothing we can do to provide ourselves with more closure. Learning how to simply sit with it and come to terms with the feeling is a helpful first step. I've made significant progress in this, but I still have a much further path ahead of me to go. It's never, it's never easy to accept the end of something that actually never ends. It's up to us to, to allow it to be, as it is, to insert the period ourselves. Or to allow the sentence to remain incomplete for now as the other goes and seeks their own closure. Feelings can lay dormant and pop out at a moment's notice upon being triggered, even if it is many years after the emotional programming took place. I had one of the most interesting experiences with this. I was out at a public event and ran into a young woman who I had a big crush on when I was 15 or 16 years old. I haven't had a thought about her in years, and I have moved on from that crush many times since then. Despite all of the time and other experiences I had between then and now, seeing her in person out of the blue left my face flushed in red. I felt it and brought awareness to that sensation in the moment and just marveled at it for a while. It had been eight long years since I built that reaction up, and there I was, doing it all over again. It was so fascinating to me. I took it as a testament to the strength of our emotional programming. When we experience something that triggers a significant emotional reaction, whether it be good or bad, that programming doesn't necessarily go away. Even if that stimulus which provokes the reaction is absent for a long time, that reaction is still there inside of you. If we want to reconfigure this emotional programming, it requires work, awareness, and repeated exposures. Thanks for tuning in. I've got one more reading of these to, to get to the finish line. So I hope that you've enjoyed it thus far and that you tune in for the next one. So thanks for listening. And as always, much, much love. Take care. Cheers.